The 10,000-hour rule, popularized by author Malcolm Gladwell, states that it takes about that many hours of dedication in order to achieve mastery in any given task. Now, mastery of an industry may not be a prerequisite to starting a business, but understanding as much as you can about an industry, the players, the ways they interact, who has the power and what's missing, is a necessary element if you want to stand out. With that kind of foundational knowledge, it's much easier to see where and how you can completely flip an industry on its head. For Jeremy Kai, the founder of Italic, disrupting the traditional set-in-stone manufacturing industry took some guts, creativity, and a deep knowledge gleaned through generational experience. Because of his mastery of the industry, he zeroed in on one key element of the supply chain that he was eager to eliminate. What if we could actually remove the biggest middleman by far in the supply chain, which is the brand? And brand offers a lot. I don't think there's going to be a world where we live without brands, but I do think there's a lot of things that they add that are just fluff and you're actually paying for a story versus like the actual product. Italic says goodbye to the biggest middleman, the brand name. But it's easier said than done. To achieve his goal of bringing high-quality goods directly to consumers, Jeremy had to tap into his insider's knowledge about the way the manufacturing business is structured in China, and then get those traditional companies to take a leap of faith with him. They say you have to jump and then grow wings on the way down. Jeremy's wings are still growing, and each new lesson is just another feather, helping him soar a little higher. Hear how he's earning those feathers right here on The Journey. There are always exciting things happening in the world of small business. The news that grabs the headlines, though, are always the highlights. The overnight successes, the billion-dollar IPOs, the massive exits. But just like your Instagram feed, that's never the whole story. Let's look deeper than the headlines and press photos. Underneath all of that is the real work of building something valuable and lasting. Don't get me wrong, I love crazy success stories and can be drawn in by those big flashy tales just as much as the next person. But we all know that what's more important than the destination is how you get there. It's the struggles you have to overcome and the insights you learn along the way that make you who you are. So those are the stories we're telling. It's raw, it's honest, and maybe it's exactly what you need to hear. I'm Hillary Georgie, and this is The Journey. So, anyone who owns a small business knows what the difference between surviving and thriving feels like. And obviously, we all aim to thrive. That's why we're excited about our latest partnership with UPS. Our listeners know that whether you're moving your business online or getting into new markets or just trying to make things run faster and more efficiently, small businesses are up against a unique set of challenges. That's why UPS designed innovative tools just for small businesses that are made to help take you to the next level. Learn more about how UPS can get your small business moving forward at ups.com slash pivot. Jeremy was set on the fast track to entrepreneurship since birth. Born to Chinese immigrant parents, Jeremy's family runs a decades-old manufacturing business in China, which has produced everything from auto parts to hydraulics. After moving to the U.S., his mother tried her hand at starting her own company, a vegan cheesecake company. In fact, 
Jeremy's entrepreneurial journey dates back to his younger days, riding around in the car with his kid sister, helping their mom track down suppliers. This was an opportunity for Jeremy to observe business ownership in action. That was really inspirational and it looked like a lot of fun to me. That was kind of the environment that I think as a kid you grow up and, and are inspired by and that's kind of carried through the rest of my career and how I personally got excited about this whole world. As a child, listening and watching his parents interacting as they set about their various business efforts, Jeremy soaked up knowledge about manufacturing that he would later employ to find manufacturers for Italic. But let's not jump ahead too far. The first step to any great career is a college degree, right? As it turns out, not really. Babson College, which Jeremy chose because of its reputation as a great school for wannabe entrepreneurs, wasn't enough of a challenge for Jeremy. So he decided to take a semester off and head for startup Mecca, San Francisco. He moved to Silicon Valley and got a job at a company called Ship and never looked back. It was a phenomenal company, a really great group of people, learned a lot, and just kind of fell in love with the whole ecosystem of tech-enabled startups out there. The reason why I ended up staying out of college was I got this thing called the Teal Fellowship, ended up basically allowing me to convince my you know, very Asian parents that I guess a financial or prestigious award per se to justify being out of college for a little bit. To this day, I'm still on a leave of absence. I never really fully left. He knew that lecture halls and exams were not for him. And thanks to the Teal Fellowship, a prize Jeremy was awarded that gives $100,000 to young people who want to build new things instead of sitting in a classroom. Jeremy wasn't confined to any academic responsibilities. He was free to hit the ground running as an entrepreneur, and he felt ready to head up a business, no matter the field, because he had seen it all up close before. There's a weird enjoyment or thrill you get out of the early days that are super painful that I'm sure many people can relate with. Yeah, the grind sucks, but it's also what you live for. The road ahead would be fraught with challenges, but Jeremy was excited. Entrepreneurship was what he was built for. Now it was time to get that first startup off the ground. While still working at SHIP, Jeremy was saving his money, getting ready for the day he could break away. It was during his time there that he saw his first big business opportunity. He noticed that the onboarding process of hiring new employees could be done better. SHIP was scaling, and its disorganized process of using Google Sheets to hire hourly employees gave Jeremy an idea. In 2015, he teamed up with a friend and left to create a hiring platform for large organizations. It was a software company they called Onboard IQ. Despite all he had learned watching his parents and working in a startup, Jeremy found out that there was no shortcut, no cliff notes, and no idiot's guide to becoming a successful entrepreneur. Jeremy dove into building Onboard IQ head first, doing whatever he could, whatever needed to be done to get the business going. He tried his hand at marketing and sales, and his partner worked with developers in Europe to get the software up to snuff. Things were touch and go for a time, and they were learning new lessons every day. But we were selling software to software companies. That was kind of a whole learning lesson of like, okay, sales is really, really, really important, arguably as much so as product is. And I didn't appreciate that or understand that for a long time. And even to this day, I think don't fully appreciate how important the sales journey is. They figured things out day by day. And by 2017, they rebranded as Fountain and had raised tens of millions of dollars and had countless satisfied customers and excited investors. Despite the success, though, one thing started to become abundantly clear to Jeremy. Making and selling HR software wasn't lighting a fire under him. 
but not a lot of kids, frankly, drop out of college to work on HR software. So that was probably the biggest lesson to me is you can try as hard as you can, but it's really hard to go in and out faking your passion for like a mission that you just don't really align with. He was itching to start fresh. It was no surprise to his colleagues at Fountain that he wanted to move on. He left on amicable terms and turned his attention to planning his future, a future he could get excited about. As he pondered his opportunities, he was drawn back to what he knew from childhood, manufacturing. As he was building Fountain, he had watched from afar the waves of direct-to-consumer products enter and trend in the market, including Warby Parker, Away, and Everlane, just to name a few. What Jeremy noticed was that something was amiss. These brands promised high quality, but the cost was also still high. Taking the product directly to the consumer had not taken out that middleman cost. Really nowadays, Facebook and Google are the new retailers. You pay the same amount of margin to them to support your acquisition. And now as a customer, you're paying that same price for the same quality product, but you're being told it's like sold directly to you, bypassing middlemen. Seeing the brand itself as the cost-adding middleman led Jeremy to a new idea. Could a brandless brand work and bring high-quality goods to consumers for noticeably less? And would anyone want to take this chance on a new business model with him? Would he be able to convince those old-school manufacturers to go down a completely different road? Stay tuned to find out. Today's podcast is sponsored by UPS. If you're like a lot of our listeners, you've either taken your business online or you want to make that shift fast. Well, UPS makes it easy to ship and save wherever your e-commerce takes you so you can launch your business into a whole new orbit. Whatever platform you're using to host your online store or track and manage your shipping, UPS is already there. You'll get big savings and reliable shipping that give you a competitive edge and keep your customers happy. You can ship from your online store to your customer's front door faster than ever when you choose UPS. So get started today at ups.com slash pivot. Jeremy knew manufacturing and he knew supply chains and he saw some slack in the line. There was a way to operate in this system of goods and consumers to maximize profits. His goal was to sell high quality products directly to consumers at a low cost. What if we could actually remove the biggest middleman by far in the supply chain, which is the brand? And brand offers a lot. I don't think there's going to be a world where we live without brands, but I do think there's a lot of things that they add that are just fluff and you're actually paying for a story versus like the actual product. The first step in solving this equation would be selling the manufacturers on the idea that they should upfront the cost of manufacturing goods something never done in the industry because taking on inventory is extremely risky. In order to create his dream business, Italic, Jeremy had to convince his potential manufacturing partners it was a risk worth taking, and that meant reframing the current picture of the industry. Before Italic could truly become D2C, it needed to work B2B. From the experience of his youth watching his parents interact with manufacturers, Jeremy knew they had one simple goal keep the production lines running. As a manufacturer, you don't care if I'm selling to J.Crew or Gap. Or, to me, they're just clients. While this is true, brands don't matter to manufacturers. The problem was that in this world, things had always been done a certain way. There were deals, sales, margins, processes, staffing, and materials purchasing 
all coming together to make this process work. And for decades, it all happened in a particular order, in a particular way. Jeremy was asking them to upset the apple cart with him. He wanted the manufacturers to pay for the cost of product upfront, and Italic would act as their website or customer-facing storefront. Manufacturers were not easily sold. Traditional manufacturing businesses are built on a system of using the initial payment from the brand to buy the materials and pay for the labor to make the products. Getting them to take the product risk on themselves was no easy task. We're not going to pay you for your product. You're going to make product and you're going to pay for it. And you're only going to get paid when we sell it for you. So it's actually a really hard pitch if you think about it. And man, we got laughed out of a couple of rooms. We quickly learned after what we were doing wrong and how to better tackle the communication problem. As he got turned away, sometimes he would get feedback. So he started refining his pitch. He tried out new angles and tested different methods. When he started focusing less on what he wanted for Italic and started emphasizing more about what the manufacturers were getting, things shifted in his favor. Jeremy positioned this as an opportunity for them rather than a risk. Most of the manufacturers he was dealing with were family-owned businesses, and Jeremy concluded that he should be talking less with the patriarchs and matriarchs of the company and more to the next generation, their children, the up-and-coming future owners of the business who were more inclined to move in a direction that would keep their companies competitive in the digital age. So he tweaked his pitch to cater to that idea. For these younger potential partners, Jeremy pitched that using Italic would help them fill in the gaps and pad the bottom line between brand orders, while also increasing their margins because there was no brand to take a cut. So in truth, it was a win-win-win. Manufacturers, Italic, and the end consumer all come out better off. Finally, after much pitching and refining, Jeremy was able to convince a few curious manufacturers. And at long last, Italic had a partner to create a product to sell. Once he had the B2B leg of the business sorted, Jeremy needed to solve a few other minor details for Italic. You know, little things like production, design, warehousing, shipment, and, oh, customers. He needed to get some of those too. Caught up in the Silicon Valley death march, Jeremy was moving too fast. The rush and the buzz of the tech startup pace had gone to him, and he was making mistakes in his attempts to fast track things. We had two manufacturers that would give us a shot. We had scarves, cashmere scarves, and leather handbags. And I'm forever grateful to these two partners. Without them, we wouldn't be anywhere. You have to think about it from the go-to-market. We probably should have taken at least a year, gotten a collection of five to 10 manufacturers. There's a real risk, by the way, to anyone working in physical product. If you launch with one category or one product, and if you don't expand from there, you're oftentimes pigeonholed. Jeremy was on a mission to offer a wide variety of products as soon as possible. He didn't want Italic to get pigeonholed as a company that sold only a few items. His vision for Italic was to be more of a lifestyle hub for quality conscious consumers with a savvy for saving. But the rush to get more SKUs out there resulted in mistakes for the business. Yeah, I have to be honest, nothing was working. The customer experience wasn't great. The quality was good, but like the design was kind of off. You know that like GIF? Wiley Coyote laying the tracks down while the train is going. That is literally what startups are. And if you don't lay the tracks down fast enough, that train derails really, really fast. As a managed marketplace, it's doubly more important because you're implicitly working on infrastructure to deliver a better consumer experience. In our case, the technology we had built sucked. The fulfillment infrastructure we had built in six months sucked. 
our ability to develop product against where our customers wanted in a data-driven way was not existent. We really had to kind of go back to the drawing board and say, like, we know when a customer buys, they have a good experience. Everything else was not working. So for us, we slowed down massively from kind of November of 2018 to kind of mid-2019. And we reconfigured. We went through like a number of iterations on the infrastructure side, and we simplified a lot. So we didn't have to take on too much infrastructure at once. There's also the danger of over-engineering and overbuilding a solution in a vacuum. So we also needed to ship with customers at the same time. But all that is kind of to say, we got our bearings about a year and a half in, not the first year. The breakneck speed of hiring created problems as well. As he added more people to his team, Jeremy started to learn what company culture was and that it was missing from Italic. Oftentimes, founders will just hire people because of a fancy resume or specific experience. The earlier you dictate very distinctly, this is a trait that I do not want to work with, or at least I don't want in this company. And this is a trait that I really want to look for and protect in this company as it goes forward really does kind of set a precedent because once you put it in stone and reinforce it on a frequent basis, that's when it really becomes cultural. It might not even be a written value, but it's inherently instilled into the culture. Not everyone was on the same page as Jeremy, and he recognized that if he wanted this business to succeed long-term, he needed to hire people with particular traits, including high performance, high conviction, and high integrity. As Italic continues to grow, and Jeremy continues to learn these new lessons, he has started to curate his circles of influence carefully. He prioritizes the value of family connection and input because he knows that no one else is more invested in his personal success. And maybe most importantly, Jeremy realizes the value in his team. He knows that the people you hire to make your dream into a reality are a great source of support and that you should tap into them. Few other people have as much real interest and day-to-day investment in the heart of what your business does. And as such, they're an asset when you need support or input on where to go with the company next. Now, more than four years into the Italic journey, Jeremy has hit his stride. The company has honed its processes to ensure that the manufacturers are producing high-quality products while maintaining startup-like speed. Italic offers thousands of SKUs in wide ranges of categories, in an effort to earn more of a place in the consumer's life. If you bought sheets from Italic, maybe you'd also be interested in a Kindle or cookware, for example. And through opening up these new avenues, Jeremy was able to shift Italic in yet another new direction. Italic used to be strictly membership-based, but now you can make a purchase without a membership. This business model shift was possible only because Jeremy was able to increase the number of SKUs and the volume of products Italic offered in a way that helps the company meet economies of scale with the manufacturers, which keeps prices low. And the company keeps growing and evolving. Jeremy and Italic are learning to fly a little bit higher and better every day. And the lessons keep coming in this never-ending class on entrepreneurship. The Journey is created by Mission.org and sponsored by UPS. To learn more about the show or mission, visit Mission.org. And to learn more about how UPS can help your business, visit ups.com slash pivot.